Oh shit, I got you good, you fucker. Or do you want me to punch inside your face for free? I don't want a large barba. I want a goddamn liter of cola. He's running up to this really fancy party where the mayor's at in a bear fucker costume. <laughs> Who wants a mustache ride? Welcome to Worth the Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Palilla. With me as always, Mike Kennedy. Hey, Hello, you Mike. Pop some Viagra's and try to do this show with some mega huge boners. I think it's a great idea, uh, Car Ramrod. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this week's episode, Super Troopers, uh, released February 15th, 2001. Had a budget of only $1.2 million. Uh, I won't get into it now, but the, I've heard a couple different in- interviews with Jay Shandrashekar, who we'll get into, who plays Thorny, has uh, um, talked about how they had to get the money to make this movie. It's pretty, it was a pretty interesting story. The movie ended up making $18 million in theaters, which actually, you know, it's a good turnaround on, on your investment, but it's not a lot of money. Uh, this movie really got legs after, uh, like some of the, the other movies that we've done. It wasn't a big box office movie, obviously. It's had a cult following. It's been on TV, what would you guess, 16,000 times in the last 20 years? Hey. Something like that? 18 years? The Rotten Tomatoes score, Mike, what would you guess it is for this movie? The critic score, always. This is probably not a critic Darling, I'd say probably 40. 35%. Yeah, I figured I didn't like it. And where would you guess the audience score? Uh, probably like 80. 90%. Uh, so that it tells you exactly what this movie is. It is not something the critics like, like you said. It is, if you like this movie, you really like this movie, and you're going to give it a positive rating. So what are we talking? 40... Uh, 50, what, 60% difference there? 65% difference? 55% difference in scores? Um, There's one other movie I know that has a bigger chasm. And we'll be getting, I don't think we have it this year, but I'll point it out when we get there. But it's a very violent movie, so it's not surprising that it ended up that way. But uh, what was uh, your guess at the IMDb score, if you hadn't looked already? Uh, I think I did look, and it was like a 7.1 or 2 or something like that. 7.1. 7.1. So that, that fits about right because that's usually an audience aggregate too. Um, IMDb scores usually are, are generally sit right in the 6.5 to 7.5 range anyways. So the cast of the movie. This was the first film by the group Broken Lizard. Broken Lizard did Club Dread, which was terrible. Beer Fest, which I feel was super underrated. And uh, we're eventually going to do Beer Fest too. Super Troopers 2, um, they had their hands in on, what was the movie we talked about last week? Uh, Dukes of Hazard. Slamming Salmon. I know that they, you know, they were kind of the directing the Slamming Salmon, which. Exactly. Eh, that's we'll call it okay. When you said, eh, that's yeah. about my feeling about it, too. Yeah, if I never saw it again, I wouldn't care. I saw it once. I was like, if it was on TV, I wouldn't I like, be like, oh my God, I got to change the channel. Like, I'd probably watch it for at least a little bit. There there are a couple funny parts, but other than that, no. And then um, now, so I'll go through the list of 
people and characters. Then we can talk about some of the other stuff they're up to. I mentioned his name before, Jay Chandrasekhar. That's how you say his last name. Played Ramathorn or Thorny, if you will. He is kind of the head guy. All these guys were buddies. Um, I think they all went to college together. Eric Stolhansky plays Rabbit. Steve Lemmy plays Mac. Kevin Hefferman plays Farva. And Paul Soder plays Foster. Now, Hefferman and Lemmy have kind of gone off and done their own thing together. Uh, they have done some comedy shows, which uh, I think we talked about before. You went and saw at least yeah, one I went of them, to right, about Mike? Two years ago, just not too far from where I'm at right here, a couple miles. And uh, the they had just, in the last, uh, what, like two, three weeks, had a new show come out called Tacoma FD, which it's the two of them and then a couple other dudes, and it kind of feels like a... I don't want to say a watered-down version. That's probably a good way to put it. A watered-down version of Super Troopers, but they're firemen instead. It's good. It's funny. I've seen one episode so far. I have the rest on uh, DVR, so i got to get caught up. Some of the other names in it. Uh, Marissa Coughlin plays Ursula. She has a ton of IMDb credits, but nothing I really recognize her from except for this. Daniel Von Bargen plays Chief Grady. The... Things I remember him from, he was in The Faculty, if you've ever seen that movie from, what, 1998-ish. And then what he's probably mostly known from is he was in Seinfeld. He played Kruger, who was George's boss for a while. And then lastly, the only big name really in this movie, other than a couple small cameos, which we'll get to later, is uh, Brian Cox, who is a well, well acclaimed actor. Uh, I I don't know, and I it maybe in the internet facts you might have found something, Mike. But how he got kind of hooked up with this group? He plays Captain O'Hagan, who runs the uh, highway patrol. He's the chief for the highway patrol, or captain for the highway patrol group. Um, this doesn't fit in with a lot of the other movies he's done. So he was really outside of his box, and he absolutely killed it. But we're going to get in his career in a little bit. Anyone else you want to mention other than a couple cameos that are in there, Mike? Nah, I mean there. Most of them, if you know them, they're probably from that genre of movies that we just talked about, like pretty much from the yeah. Broken Lizard crew. It's pretty much the main characters you really need to worry about. So why don't you get into the synopsis for us, Mike? All right. <clears throat> Mac, Thorny, Foster, Rabbit, and Farva are five Vermont state troopers whose dedication to duty is not exactly an inspiration to law enforcement officers everywhere. Stationed in a small town near the Canadian border, the troopers don't have much to do, so they pass the time by smoking dope and harassing hapless motorists. Their superior officer, Captain O'Hagan, likes the boys, except Farva, but wants them to start taking their job a little bit more seriously. When the governor arrives and announces massive budget cuts for Vermont law enforcement, Things look bad for the troopers, and they must quickly prove their worth or they'll be forced to look for real jobs. Appropriately <clears throat> appropriately enough, the troopers stumble upon some information regarding a group of marijuana dealers operating along the border. The guys figure this is a high-profile bust that could save their careers, but the police department of nearby town gets wind of the troopers' plans. The Spurbrace police are no friends of the state troopers and successfully ruined their glory. 
Just when you think it's all lost, the five drunk troopers in Farva manage to save the day and catch the bad guys, which just so happens to be the local cops. That about sums it up right there. I know we'll be going much, much more in depth. All right, before we move on, a quick word from our sponsor. All right, so because of the nature of this movie, we're going to do things in a little bit different order. Uh, We thought about going through all the scenes and all the quotes, but trust me, you guys wouldn't enjoy it. It it would have gotten really, really dull really fast. So we're going to do this a little differently. So the first thing we're going to do is let's start out with our – we normally just call it best scenes, but I'm going to say the best scenes or the most reference scenes because there is kind of both when it comes to this movie. So, Mike, why don't you kind of walk me through five or so of the best scenes or most reference scenes? Or this may even blend into the most, the best lines or most requoted lines that have been used too, because this is kind of all going to blend into one big thing here. That sounds good. I, I'm actually only going to do four because okay. I assume that we'll probably double up some of ours. So I was like, if I pick like four, I'm assuming that we'll probably have at least two, maybe even three of them will be doubled up at least. Yeah. And it's actually some of my best scenes aren't quite my best quotes. <laughs> I don't know why it ended up that way. So I know we're going to have some crossover. All right. Well, obviously I picked the opening scene of the movie. It's one of the greatest openings to like a comedy movie that I can remember. You know how fast you were going? What? How fast you were going. Uh, 65. 63. Officer, isn't, isn't the speed limit 65? Yeah, it is. Absolutely, I agree. It is It is so funny, and it really, especially, and we had said this, that you know we didn't really know anything about this movie when we first saw it, so when you see that opening scene and you've never seen it before, it really throws you off until you get to where they come into the bar and see Mac, and they realize that these these four dudes just love fucking with each other all the time and fucking well, with people. Well, I know the whole premise of this movie was kind of with this opening scene. They actually, I guess, three of them. I can't remember the three who it was. I think it was whoever well, was. Um, Jay Chandrasekhar is like the the leader of the pack, not just in this yeah, movie, yeah, but in well, general. Jay, so. Jay, I think it was Jay, Paul Solder, and uh, the guy who plays uh, Rabbit. Yeah, Eric Stolhansky. Yeah. I think they were going to like a bunch of weddings and stuff like that, and they got pulled over, and they were laughing about how tough and stuff they would act. And then as soon as a cop walks up to your car, how you just kind of act like a – I believe the exact quote I read was pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty like, fair. That's pretty yeah, fair. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's it's true. And you're just like, yeah, 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 yes, officer. I'll, I'll, I'll do that, you know, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just like trying to get it over with as fast as possible. You're like nervous for some reason, even though you're like getting pulled over for – speeding or something you know nothing crazy for for the record that is the exact way to handle it <laughs> don't be a tough guy don't get out of your car little public announcement shut your mouth do what they ask move on with your life be polite don't act shitty don't act <laughs> shitty and you won't end up with the pepper spray and the zip ties and uh, on the way down to the station you'll get a ticket you can always fight it later half the time the cop doesn't show up or they'll lower the points move on with your life now, if you got weed in the car, that's on you. Yep. <laughs> littering and littering and littering and littering and littering and littering and smoking the reefer. So, uh, yeah, I agree. And my, 
out of all the fun stuff that's in that, the, the one part that gets a little overlooked is when the first time you're introduced to Farva, he's on the radio calling out to car 53, I think. That's what Mac and um, Unit 91. Unit 91. Thank you. Unit 91. He's calling <laughs> out to him because Unit 23 is the other one. Unit 91, and he's off fishing, and he's not responding. He's like, what are you doing? Sitting out there counting your pubes? It's, it kind of brushes over it really quick because there's so much going on between the car chase and Mac and then the doll's head getting knocked off and stuff, but uh, that always made me laugh. What else you got, Mike? So after that whole opening scene, I have the, the meow scene. It's just a shorter one. It's just, I don't know why, you know, it's just, it's like, it's so innocent and fun. I guess that it's just, it's a nice change, you know, from being just like super raunchy or anything like that. Now, what is so damn funny? I could have sworn you said meow. Do I look like a cat to you, boy? And <laughs> hey, you stop laughing right now. It is, it is great. It is really, really good. Um, I, I have it as, as one of mine as well. Nice Jim Gaffigan cameo. And oh, yeah, what, what makes it so good is that Foster is able to keep such a straight face the whole time as the cop. Because you see Mac just losing his shit in the background, keeping track. But uh, he, he keeps such a straight face and keeps the cop attitude, which is what makes it twice as good. And they actually say meow 11 times because he gives that like, you know, am I saying meow? And he kind of gives him the, yeah. eh, I don't know if that really counts. Uh, I actually just read this. This is a, an interesting fact. How they came up with it. So stick with me. It's a little long. They were at a travel lodge on Pico in Santa Monica. Pico is the name of the road. And they were all jamming in a hotel room, and they were partying a little bit, and they were writing the script. So they started riffing on this magical clown wizard, a wizard who could turn your tongue into a cat's tongue. This is kind of Paul Soder, who plays um, Foster's filling in. He said, and how funny it would be if suddenly your tongue was small and sandpapery. And that was the riff for a while. And then someone was like, oh, yeah, instead of saying now, you'd say meow. We were yelling, screaming, meow at each other in the hotel room to the point of getting nose complaints. And thus the meow gag, a gag that shouldn't be funny to anyone but Broken Lizard and yet became one of the Super Truthers' greatest, greatest scenes was born. So it's kind of funny that just these guys were getting drunk yelling at each other and then they end up coming up with this thing. So you never know where the path will take you, Mike. Exactly. I actually have, and that's not one of my favorite scenes, but I have like a little like something like that where it wasn't intended to be a scene and it just like, something happened and they just kind of got lucky with it. That's sometimes how you get the best ones. It's a mix between script and improv is usually where you get the best things. I have, um, the dippest burger slash powdered sugar scene. (laughs) I'm glad you combined them together because it it is really worth being part of it. It's it's tough because it's like the powdered sugar scene is just like real short, but it's just, it piggybacks right onto the dippest burger. We can just just, call it Farva's rage party. Pretty much. Yeah. Just, the whole, like you get, like you said, you get so many of the quotable lines from that scene, you know. Give me a uh, liter of cola. A what? A liter of cola. Liter of cola? Do we make liter of cola? Well, you just order a large farva. I don't want a large farva. I want a goddamn liter of cola. I don't know what that is. Liter is French for give me <laughs> some fucking cola before I break Moose <laughs> fucking leg. All right, all right, relax. How many times I've said that in my life? Many, many, many times. Ridiculous. Or uh, yeah. do you want to do you want to dip a size your your meal for only twenty for a quarter? 
that that's one we've used how many times we've gone to Burger King, Wendy's, whatever, and kind of thrown that in as we're walking in. That are you know the or doing me to punch you size your face for free. Yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> a lot, a lot of, that of that going on. <laughs> uh, and then the last one I have down is I have uh, the whole bear fucker scene, but it's kind of like because when I was really thinking about the scene, it's like I love their like little line there when they're like debating when they're like, just staring at it, and he's just like, "Is the bear?" And the other guy he's like, "Is the guy?" Yeah. And he's yeah. Seems more like a game worn thing to me. He's like, "Well, it's a legal burden. I know that." <laughs> and it's like when they when they call him like to see if he needs assistance and like you know, bear, but b- bear fucker. I do like assistance. I like all the people that are kind of standing behind him too. They kind of have all oh, these yeah. random pedestrians standing back there. It's 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 creating a crowd. People people are enjoying somehow enjoying that that scene. Yes. What's going on? And I sent but, you a picture a little bit ago, Mike. Uh, a friend of ours created the bear fucker costume and wore it in the bar on two different occasions that I know of. And it's one of the greatest Halloween costumes of all time. That it, you did send me that picture. I did look at it and I did enjoy that picture. Yes, it's awesome. It, it, it was a lot of work for him. And I can't I don't it's not built out of wood. I think it's built out of like a giant piece of foam because it'd be too heavy. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a tremendous costume. But like it go when you go from that thing to like some stuff that I think about is that so like when they go to down to actually chase him, like he, how he just like all of a sudden like looks at him and he's just like oh shit they're coming so he just like picks the bear up and starts running and you just see like the legs like dangling his should be his legs like just dangling behind him when he's running yeah and then you think you, you take it even further after the whole thing happens at the little like uh, gathering that they're having that like the mayor's supposed to be at and everything where they're trying to do the whole heist and he's actually the bear is supposed to be like the distraction. the distraction. Yeah. So he runs, he runs up and he's like, Hey Mac, did it work? And he just like kicks the bear, like right in the face mm-hmm. under the ground. And then as I think about it, I go, he's running up to this really fancy party where the mayor's at in a bear fucker costume. <laughs> I never really thought of it that way, but you're right. He is like, all these around. fancy people are going to be walking out and you're going to be sitting there looking like a hillbilly in a bear fucker costume. And yeah. That's, just... a, that's a good one. <laughs> Didn't really think about that. Do we combine Farva binging and purging as part of that, or, is it, or do we hold that separate? Um, it you could probably just add that in there because that is a really really cool scene where it's just like a bunch of those little kids are like Farva chugging beer, Farva puking, yeah, <laughs> Farva chugging more beer, running. They yeah. seem like looking at a clock. Oh, you see them driving the Winnebago, drinking more beer, puking some more, <laughs> like three different puking rallies or something yes. like that, probably. <laughs> Uh, what you that was four, right? Did I miss any? Yeah, yeah, that's the four that I put down. Yeah. Okay, so I had those three. I had three of them. I had the opening scene, the Dippus Burger, and the uh, the bear fucker costume. I had the Jim Gaffigan cameo meow scene in my favorite quotes, so we're right on par. Just two other ones I want to mention, and it's funny because we've said that the the first like two thirds of this movie are really funny because there's a lot of jokes and one lines and stuff, but two of my favorite scenes. Really, three of my favorite scenes are towards the end of the movie. The bear fucker costume scene, um, when they steal the car and are driving around all shit-faced, is one I really laugh at. Mainly because Brian Cox uh, puts on an Oscar-winning performance as a drunk. Tag him! Tag him! And then... I'm the party- naked! <laughs> and then the party scene at the end, at the very, very end, when they show up with the keg with the, the same guys from the opening. Yeah. I don't know why. It made me laugh. Like, it, I, it's... I hadn't... I hadn't seen that scene in a while, and I forgot how funny it really was with them, like, when he, when he's beer doing bonging the with thing. them, and, yeah. 
when he's like walking back and forth and they're throwing stuff at him and he every time he's he's like ding and then yeah. like far throws like a what what does he throw like a, a fire, fire extinguisher, extinguisher. Yeah. yeah but yeah he's playing like a little game of duck hunt I don't know I that that scene just made me laugh so any it's, quotes those those are the scenes I had any quotes or requoted stuff that wasn't from those scenes that we haven't got to yet um one of my favorites is when can't remember the exact scene even i just remember the line i think it's towards the end when she's like are you guys drunk like right before they're supposed to go to the raid and he's just like no i'm sober as a bird yeah that's like, one we've used <laughs> many a time like when we started to have too many people were just like how you feeling like, sober as a bird you know yeah, that's, that, that's been one that we've used plenty of times yeah who wants a mustache ride of course all right who wants a mustache ride i'm fun are you on fun we talked about the whole powdered sugar. I was just like, sorry about the delousing, just standard procedure. And he's just like, it's powdered sugar. <laughs> just, I remember the first time I heard him, you know, it's powdered sugar. I almost like spit whatever I was probably drinking out or like just like really being shocked. Like, what like, made me laugh even harder is when he goes, the lice hate me. Lice, the lice hate the sugar. And he cuts them off and goes, it's delicious. That actually made me laugh more than the powdered sugar line. And just how like confident he is naked in that scene when. He shouldn't be confident. No, no, no confidence. <laughs> a lot of farva ass and micro penis there. Yeah, exactly. Might have been cold water. Um, I'll give him that much. Like I said, I'm not gonna say the quotes, but like the whole like meow scene. Well, I'll even use that randomly at work or something. I'll say, "Hey, can you get? Can you send that file over for me?" And they'll be, "Yeah, give me. Yeah, give me a second. Oh, come on, meow. Like, come on, man. Like, I'll, I'll kind of say it without <laughs> even thinking about it." You listen to me, rap meow. No, I do that. Like, I do that at work more than I probably even realize. Well, that one, and I'll do the not so funny meow. Is it? That's one I like too. I got um. Oh shit! I got you, good you fucker. Yes, that's one. Uh, the okay no cream right before that's good too. I have that one written down. <laughs> <laughs> really, just like, just my very next one's supposed to laugh. It just who wants cream? Nobody. Okay, no cream. Well, that's one way even use or be like, I'm going to go get a couple beers for it. Like, we're all sitting around and I'll go grab like three beers for everybody and I'll pop my head back out of the kitchen and go, who wants cream? Like, that's just it, anywhere you go, as long as you leave the room and poke your head back in, it's a referenceable line. Um, I have when after Mac gets shot and he says, they ask him how he's feeling. He says, how you feeling there, Mac? Good enough to fuck your mother. Yep. And I got a... um. Actually, a little a little thing about that. So they filmed that. Where did I, where did I lose that? Okay. So the bulletproof cup scene was shot just outside of a real-life prison. Steve Lemmy stood there wearing just a cup, and the inmates were pressed against the fence yelling at him. So they did that. That's where that shooting range was. Yeah. I did I did see that, too. And I put down uh, the schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Yes, which is a reference back to Willy Wonka. That's correct. Oh, last one. <laughs> gotta say this one. And that was the second time I got crapped. <laughs> yeah, that's one we've added a lot to. And one of our friends was a big fan of that line. It's the perfect thing to do at like a dead air spot. Like if you just don't have anything else to say and you can just say that and like walk away. It's a nice one to throw in. So I've got uh, I've got two more I want to throw in. One of them is uh, what are you selling hot dogs when his flies down? Uh, mm-hmm. in in Western Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh region, the, the famous line, and I don't know if you ever heard this growing up. I never did, but it, they'd say Kennywood's open. 
and meaning your fly is down. And I hadn't heard that until I was, a, I don't know, 30. I always just was selling hot dogs because <laughs> that's what we knew. But uh, that's one. And then the open bar, dude, that's every single wedding, every oh, single man, event we go to. I know then, I had that in uh, some, like, man, I didn't have it written down in my, I might have had that down in just, like, throughout the movie. I had no I ever have that. And it's not like it's that great yeah. of a line. It's just one that we have used countless times, anytime. Even if it's not an open bar, we still yell it. Like, I, I know, I also forgot that, that little guy. I wouldn't worry about that little yeah, guy. Yeah, that's it's one we've done like... a lot, too. That's it for those. Who is your favorite character or characters, Mike? I, got, I gotta go with Farva. You know what? He is the most probably most quotable. Definitely the most quotable. Definitely has the most impact on screen. He's the most hated, but Kevin Hefferman plays it so well. I think you were telling me about how he they they were all reading all the lines or something, and he just I think, stole it. I think Eric. I think that Eric, the guy who played Rabbit, was actually they were going to have him play Farva, but in their previous movie Puddle Cruisers that they did. He played like I guess the more like Farva type character, and so he wanted to try to play something completely opposite of that. Yeah, there's that, well, there's that too. Kudos to Kevin Hefferman. He kind of pigeonholed his career with with his acting, but he he really nailed it. On top of Farva, I had Mac because he's just ridiculous, and then I really liked O'Hagan, which is going to transition in great into our next thing, our top five for this week. Mr. Brian Cox, uh, why don't you do your top five for Brian Cox, Mike? All right, Brian Cox top five. Brian Cox also asked to be into this in this film. Yeah, uh, why don't you tell that story real quick before we we go on? Yeah, Brian Cox actually was so used to doing his like more serious drama type roles that he wanted to try to um, kind of branch out and try to do like more comedy and re- actually reached out to them to be part of the movie, which had obviously worked out very well. Yes. I'm curious how the script ended up in his lap. Or, um, you know, he must have, someone knew someone knew someone. That's always a, an interesting story. I'm very curious how that, that could have ended up. And he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. He's great as a, com- as a comedic actor because you don't really think of him that way. But for my top five, I have the Bourne movies that he's in. Born Identity, Born Supremacy, Super Troopers, the movie Red, X-Men 2, Troy, and I threw Braveheart as an honorable mention, kind of, because he doesn't have a very big part in it, but Braveheart's probably maybe his best movie that he's done overall, in my opinion, maybe. Mm, Troy's flirting with that, although Troy has many, many, many flaws in it. Braveheart is the I, more... I like, uh... I definitely... <laughs> I, I, I like definitely like Braveheart more than Troy. I like Troy, but I definitely I think Orlando Bloom does something to me in Troy. Yeah, and <laughs> you know what? Can't. Orlando Bloom <laughs> plays such a badass in so many movies he's in, and then he's the biggest bitch on the planet in Troy. It's so disappointing. But my favorite of all of them is Super Troopers, shortly followed by Troy, because I love him as uh, in Troy. He's such a, a good bad guy, and then he's awesome in this. And I do want to I want to emphasize him in red a little bit because he plays this Russian operative. His Russian accent is awful, but he's pretty he actually plays it kind of funny because he's absolutely in love with um, Helen Mirren and he's like falling all over himself for. Her. 
Okay, so let's move on to thoughts on the movie. So before we get into any more quotes or scenes that we want to touch on, it's a couple things, a couple points I think I want to I want to point out. Number one, the the group of broken lizard, the five of them that we mentioned, all met at Colgate University in the early 1990s, which Colgate is eh, maybe an hour outside of Syracuse, something like that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. They all went to college together and ended up becoming buddies, which is great. Another thing about this movie, and this is something that I want to kind of establish as we go through the movies going forward. Mike, you and I, our teenage years through our college years were the peak of the DVD era, especially the DVD box era. And there was something I noticed, especially when we were in college, was any party you went to had the entertainment system with the giant speakers And then right next to it was a tower with DVDs in it. And this movie was like the cornerstone of the DVD tower movies. Uh, There were movies like um, that you had to feel cool. So if you want to have Scarface and try and be cool. But Super Troopers was like one of the ones that everybody had. We can probably come up with a a good list of other ones. And Van Wilder was one that everybody had. Uh, Mm -hmm trying to think of some of the other ones for us it was like troy was well troy i guess was a few years after this gladiator had just come out that was the one that everybody had i was i was literally just about to say i'm like literally just looking at mine right now (laughs) uh there's on a shelf and i can't tell you the last time i really actually even used one of them you know? i know like, that's the thing is the, I, I said i used it i used it for this movie because i knew that there was some extra stuff i just wanted to like see and watch on it the reason why i pulled this one off and there isn't if you get a chance listen to the director's commentary on some of the deleted scenes or some of the extras on the dvd it's really funny and there is i it's on the extras i i'm pretty sure it has the scene that they reference where farva lost his mind on a bunch of kids on the bus that uh, didn't make it in the cut of the movie. It's it's funny. Well, to see if you it. if you if you watch, it's actually it's in the credits. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's in the credits. That's, that's it. It's in the credits. I was actually saying, I go, I really like how they did the credits of this movie because they kind of they end it with like they start doing the credits right at the end where you know the whole keg scene is pretty much. They start like the credits like right. Yeah, they start that. showing all the names as they go through it, and then they go through and they like pick you know a scene that the character was in for each person you know that they're introducing that was in the movie. They pretty much did anybody that like said anything in the movie. Essentially. Yeah. They, they, they get, they recognized them with like their picture and their name underneath it. And then, uh, and then at the very end, it shows the clip, like the dash cam footage of like the whole, that's what it is. It's a dash cam. Got, yeah. yeah. They got them there. And so it, I, I was just like, I like how they added that in at the very end. Cause you never know why he's on the radio pretty much the whole movie. Well, then there's your answer. He has a massive temper problem. <laughs> Just speaking of that, another funny thing that I don't know if this was the way they wrote it or not, but when he's trying to talk to him before he goes back out on the road, he says, next time you're going to do something like this, I want you to slow down, take a deep breath, and count to ten. He goes, ten deep breaths. Okay. Kind of combines <laughs> them into one. I don't know why that made me laugh. It was I don't know if he did it on purpose. It was like written in or whatever. Because obviously these guys wrote it, so that might have been one of those things that they hashed out over a five year span, and then came up with it. But 
we'll get we'll, anything else about the movie before we get into a couple extra scenes. I wanted to mention that that Eric, I can't pronounce Eric Stolhansky. Eric Stolhansky, the one-legged man. Yes, you pointed this out to me before, and I actually had to look it up. He was born without a no, not a femur. No. Tibia or fibia. Or yeah, I think like he's born without a fibia. So he actually has a prosthetic lower le- lower half of his leg. Mm-hmm. He doesn't walk with a limp. You'd never be able to tell. Good thing for modern science, and they were able to take care of him. But he's had it since he was a kid, right? Well, obviously, he was born with it, duh. But he's it's kind probably, of an ab- I would say That's probably why he's, pr- he's pretty good at, you know, having a normal gait. He's had to grow up with it his entire life, so he's able to, like, he's... Because if you look in, like, all of his, the movies, too, it's like I noticed, I was like, he's never... I'm like, so he's never wearing shorts. And obviously in these movies, you know, you're in a cop uniform most of the time. But I was trying to think of like his other movies. I was like, man, is that Broken one? Broken Lizard. Club, then, or not Broken Lizard. Club um, Dread. Yeah, Club, Club Dread. Dread. I feel like they have to be in shorts. So now I'm like curious. Isn't he I the crazy bad guy in Club Dread? But he's also, but he also is working like at the place. Like, you know, he's like working there and like the bad guy. Yeah, I think he does play two characters. Such a bad guy. So he's not like two characters. He just plays like. A good guy and a bad. He's a good guy, you think, and then you find out he's actually the bad guy. You know, like so he knows everything that's going on. Yeah. Either way, um, he he's become an advocate for it, which is great. Uh, he tries to give kids that are born with leg deformities or or missing, um, you know, that are, that are required to get prosthetics or um, some type of enhancement like that. He he's an advocate for helping kids like that. So. Mm-hmm. Tip of the cap to you, sir. Like I said I just go other than it just being like a one of those movies that's a complete like just pleasant surprise, you know. It it uh, like, it's very 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 funny rewatching. It's uh, kind of set up, I guess you could say, kind of like they are a little kind of like skits that they did, and then they just were like, oh, let's add a plot to these skits. Yeah, and, and make it around it. It could have been something along the lines of this could be funny, this could be funny. Hey, what if we were cops who pulled all these pranks on each other and did all this fun stuff? Like they kind of had to build something around it. I know a lot of movies, they have a hard time because you've got all this funny stuff and then you have to find a way to build a plot with something to it. It can't just run for you know an hour and a half and then just they just run out of film and they just stop shooting. So it's kind of hard. So, I mean, I was going to say they were trying to get it funded, the first movie. Like, they showed it to Harvey Weinstein, who was actually going to buy the script because he was, I think he was with Miramax at the time. Probably, yeah. He, he was yeah. on quite a, he quite a run with Miramax, I believe. And he just couldn't tell if it was funny. He's like, maybe I just don't know comedy or whatever. And he, I guess he went up to Jay and was like, Hey, I'm gonna do you a favor. He's and told him like meet him at a bar or something like that. I can't remember the exact thing. Look, I and, know Harvey Weinstein is a horrible person and has done yeah. some awful things, but that is like the third or fourth time I've heard that kind of story about Harvey Weinstein. So he had an eye for talent or movies. He also had an eye for aggressively going after and potentially raping women. But there were there was a couple different ones, and I ha- I can't think of them off the top of my head where he's like. There Look, I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to let you kind of run with this. I'll throw you a little money or I'll kind of back you 
So there are some movies that you can't watch them with a coded lens because you can't let the movie be affected by that. It's still funny or entertaining, whatever the movie is. I actually found found what out the whole like little bit. They did meet at a bar for Last Call at Sundance. Okay. When people saw them hanging around, saw them hanging around with Harvey after that movie, that movie, the other studios were like, oh, shit, we better get on this. So he kind of created a market for the movie, basically when he didn't even see the whole like movie, pretty much. Just come and sit with me, and I carry that much weight. He's like, it said, he said, when you hang out with me, you'll sell, you'll sell your movie. That's unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for them and for us as an audience, but that's kind of what happens in Hollywood a little bit is you just get associated with the right person, and you can get stuff made. That's also the reason you get duplicates of movies that come out within a very short period of time. For example, uh, Volcano and what was the other one that came out like six months later? Six weeks later. Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak because you have two competing box offices trying to create the same. Like one person sees the movie and they say, well, let's make one of those. Or I know that like so Tombstone came out and we're gonna we'll be doing Tombstone sometime in the near future. I don't think this year, but in the near future. Tombstone came out or the script for Tombstone came out and Kevin Costner was associated with the script for it. He wanted to take the movie in a different direction. They decided to amicably part ways and they turned it over to a different group and they went and made Tombstone and he went and made the Wyatt Earp movie. And that's why they both were made around the same time. That ends up happening several times throughout the last 30 years of cinemas because a script gets out there and someone tries to jump on it at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's a hot topic and that's why they do it. But it's the same kind of thing as they go, oh, we see that person's with sitting with Harvey Weinstein. Someone go find out what he's into and let's let's throw some money at him. So anyways, well, that's an interesting thing to know then. Uh, Let's roll through a couple other scenes that we either find entertaining or we might have a little something to say about it. So I'm going to start with, Mike, you and I have chug syrup. Oh, and, I've more than once, unfortunately. And I am particularly very good at chugging syrup. Um, I don't know why. It's something I'm really good at. You are very good at chugging carbonated beverages. I am very good at chugging syrup. Really good at folding, squeezing solo cups and chugging beers out of yes, it. Yes, yes. <laughs> pinching it towards your – turning it towards yourself, pinching it and doing it. You're also very good at doing it out of a bottle, which is impressive because you don't – the air to, to carbonation or the air to fluid ratio in a bottle can get really screwed up. So in the chugging – the syrup chugging scene at the diner – here's a little fun fact for you. The few, a few takes were done with the actors drinking like a thick iced tea that they made, but it didn't look realistic enough. So real syrup was brought in. The actors did several takes in which they actually chugged entire bottles of syrup. So those are the ones you see up close, but some of the wide shots they were doing with iced tea in it. So that's why you'll see, like, as you notice, Ramathorn is legit chugging it, but Rabbit almost is it's barely moving. He obviously was struggling with it. And there'd be, like, a well, little bit, and then he'd take, like, a big swig of it. I think that they, you know, had to drink more than one bottle, too. Oh, they were, I think it's something they went through about. I mean, there were two or three on the table, but they obviously went through several. Yeah, they get that syrup in and they get all antsy and they're pansy. That's right. The one, one other one, the I'll take two tacos with no guacamole has been a very popular line amongst us anytime we go to a Mexican restaurant. 
during that scene with the whole uh, sing it again, rookie biatch. Yes. And the whole who wants cream part. When he comes back with the bar of soap in the coffee, that's not actually a bar of soap. It's a bar of sugar-free white chocolate. Ah. I found out that it, the prop master originally had a bar of just white chocolate that was supposed to be the soap lookalike. And they had to find a new sugar-free one because Brian Cox revealed he was diabetic. Oh, well, good luck on that, Brian. Diabetes, not fun. Talk to Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Diabetes. Diabetes. Okay. Is Wilford Brimley still alive? He can't be, right? I, that, he's been 80 years old for 30 years, if he is. He's looked the same forever. All right, now we have to check. He is alive, and he's only 84 years old. He has been 80 years old for the last 30 years. I know. he, he When he was in, like, the natural, he looked like he was probably... 70 years old so i I think i think i think he's just has he has that like old he's got the uncle tom face pun intended because he does look like my uncle tom too (laughs) (laughs) but he has he's had that huge mustache my uncle tom's thinner (laughs) yeah he's had that huge mustache and that it's not a gravelly voice it's kind of uh it sounds like he's he's struggling because of his neck fat kind of voice he has the same voice as um Mitch McConnell, that kind of voice. He's had that forever. Yeah, it's, it actually says his trademark mustache, accent, and burlesque delivery made Brimley recognizable. So anyways, Wilford Brimley, there you go. Born September 27th, 1934. And his full name is Anthony Wilford Brimley. Wilford's not even his first name. Little, little fun fact for you tonight. Oh, one other random thought. When they're watching the Johnny Chimpo cartoon and they bring in the German guy to sit with them, he makes a reference to the Taliban warlord. This movie came out in February 2011, which means they recorded it at least, you know, six months to a year before that. So he referenced the Taliban 12 to 18 months before the 9-11 attacks, before anybody in America really knew what the Taliban was. So that was kind of crazy that he brought that up and mentioned that. I also just the scene where he's flashing. Yeah, Ursula, where he's the, and he's just he's doing that voice, so bulgy, he's like a moose. Yeah, and the uh, the voice, oh, like modifier the voice uses. Thing. Oh, oh should, God, I'd love to see. I, I'm I'm curious how much one of those costs online. Drop your coat and grab your toes. I'm gonna show you where the wild goose goes. I think that line's been said once or twice. Maybe we. Have, I've no. I've said, baby, I'm gonna butter your bread. Bullhorn. I'm looking up how much one of those costs. <laughs> uh, a regular megaphone is only twenty bucks, but a professional voice changer is over one hundred twenty-five dollars. So that's not going to happen. Now, oh, you know how they go in? It's like the biker scene. Yes, actually, I was going to say how much that makes me laugh that he's dressed as a bicyclist and she's dressed as a biker. Fun fact <laughs> for you. Uh huh. That scene almost didn't happen. Because as it was written in the scene, it just said a biker outfit. The costume lady came with both prepared because she didn't know which one they wanted. And as soon as they saw it, they were like, oh, we got to do this. There now. you go. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> that's nice. that's kind of cool. Huh? Like I said, it's just how they get lucky sometimes. And that just happens. So um, 
I'm not going to go hard in the internet facts here, but I, I, a couple things since, since we're kind of talking around the movie. They had said that this film was originally going to be set in the 1970s. I feel like I would have hated that movie. Not hated it, but I just don't think it would have been good. Was it this movie? Or I thought that it was the sequel. Was the sequel was going to be a prequel made with their parents in the 1970s. That was originally the premise of the sequel they were going to make. Because this yeah. one was originally supposed to be in the 1970s. And then they went, well, let's make the, the sequel and we'll make it a prequel. And it's like all of our parents are cops. But that wouldn't have worked because they weren't supposed to really know each other beforehand. They kind of all knew each other when they became cops. So it wouldn't have worked. I, I don't think it would have worked in the 1970s. Jim Gaffigan, because we were talking about him. He plays the motorist named Mr. Larry Johnson uh, during the cat gam scene. In 2009, Jim Gaffigan was on Law and Order as a murder suspect named Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson, also the famous running back from Penn State, who probably should have won the Heisman. Didn't you say there was something about they? one of them didn't like Jim Gaffigan or something? Kevin Hefferman didn't like him because they used to try for the same roles and Jim Gaffigan would always beat him out for the roles. They are, they are not the same person. <laughs> like, Hefferman's got to be I, 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 60 think we, pounds bigger you, than him? Well... You know, they're just they're supposed to be, you know, a chubby guy. Yeah, you know, I guess like yeah. a funny chubby guy. And he we see him as Farva, but we don't know what else, you know, he's trying to act with, you know. Yeah. Pale chubby guy. That's his yeah. His role. In the scene where um Farva goes up to his pa- it's actually his parents in the car that he calls a chicken fucker. Nice. It's a good way to uh yeah. Yeah. catch him off guard. Well, they wanted to be in one of his movies, so he let them. He just didn't tell them what the scene was. So I don't think that they even knew that he was going to run up and say, license and registration, chicken fucker. Yeah, that would have been uh, – Yeah, <laughs> definitely would have caught me off guard for sure. They were almost got in trouble for like – because they were like impersonating police officers to stop traffic sometimes, <laughs> stuff like that, which I thought was kind of – I was like, uh, that's just got to be too tempting, I know. Another thing, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I've heard a couple different interviews with them talking about the main police officers. And I think I've heard them say a couple times they actually have gotten out of tickets because they've gotten pulled over and recognized. I think like Jay Shandrasekhar said that he's been, you know, he gets pulled over and a cop will be like, oh, you're, you guys are fucking awesome. You're the reason I wanted to be a cop. So maybe they got in trouble, but I think it paid off. Yeah, for those, and I, I know he got pulled over for speeding real fast one time too, and he just like took pictures with the cop and like got out of the ticket. Yeah, Steve Lemmy did that. Also, that that's what I was going with. That beginning scene when they get pulled over is actually based on something. Who Steve Lemmy, who played Mac, told somebody that that scene that they had rented an RV or something like that to go to Canada, right at the Canadian border, the uh, guard saw a joint on the dashboard. And asked whose it was, and nobody wanted to take credit for it. So the one guy holding all the mushrooms for the entire bachelor party that they were doing, going on, which was like ten or twelve doses of shrooms or something like that, just ate them all because he freaked out. Ended up tripping for like forty-eight hours and has like no memory of it at all. That sounds absolutely <laughs> awful, <laughs> right? I was like, I've never done mushrooms before. Me either. But but all of a sudden, taking that many. I don't like when I stand up too fast and get lightheaded. So I couldn't imagine <laughs> feeling like that essentially for two consecutive days. Agreed. All right. Anything else before we go, Mike? I think we, I think we, we got there. Like I said, there's a couple other small quotes that, that 
I'm a fan of, but th- there was really no no need to go through them. Nah, agreed. So if there's other ones you guys wanted us to talk about, shoot it over to us. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Worth the Watch PC. Send us anything that you'd say. Hey, you missed this scene. You missed this scene. We'll give you a little back and forth banter because we've seen this movie. How many times do you think you've seen this movie? At least in, I'll say at least half of this movie. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm, couldn't even tell you that. I could be in triple digits. I don't know. I'd say between 50 and 100 is probably a fair estimate. Yeah, that's definitely a fair estimate. At, le- at least like 25, 30 minutes of this movie, 50 to 100 times. Just because it's always on TV and it's goddamn funny. Super easy just to throw on the background too after you've seen it. So many times one of those ones you can just throw up and then just like you hear you start to hear the scene starting, so you like do a fast walk back in the room to kind of catch what you're gonna see or something like that. I, I told Aaron that we were gonna be doing this movie and uh it was on T V the other day and my parents were here. She's like, Yeah, I'm not putting that one on. I said, Yeah. Even on uh even on cable, it's still not that safe. You know, like I said, follow us on Twitter at Worth the Watch PC. Email us, Worth the Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. Give us a like. Uh, I think it's if you look up Worth the Watch Podcast, I believe. We are on there. We try and post stuff, let you know what we're working on. And uh, obviously, we're anytime when we post, we uh, post our new podcast. Also, Mike, uh, tell them about the Instagram account. Yeah, I just made it. Had zero posts on it so far, but it's um, worth worth the watch. PC is what it's called. It's worth it, every space. There's an underscore. Okay, but if you just type in worth the watch, like you'll probably find worth the watch PC. That you can probably find it pretty easy on there. Um, like I said, I, once we start posting stuff about when we put more movies out. I might throw some posts up about previous movies that we, um, but it has most of the links to like the little website that we have. That'll have all the stuff that you can listen to. Um, it's got, uh, probably has, I think it has the Facebook on it, Twitter on it. So if you go there, you can find everything else that way too. Yeah. So follow us on any one of those. Also be sure to send us over, Anything you like, anything you'd like to see us do differently, maybe anything you want us to cover, potentially some movies you would really like to hear us do. Uh, we're a little bit behind schedule. I had some some scheduling difficulties getting nights figured out. So hopefully uh, we won't be too far behind and we'll have the next one out for you. Welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. While there are plenty of movie review podcasts out there, our goal is not to be that. This is supposed to be a fun look back at movies from our past that we have enjoyed. We just want to fill that place between your ears for about an hour. Make your commute to work a little more tolerable or let you reflect on a movie that you may have seen. Movies can make us laugh and cry, make us cringe in fear or be a shot of adrenaline. We watch them in theaters with total strangers, at home with friends and family, or on Sundays when it's on cable for the 300th time. When One We Love comes on TV, we get excited. It's almost like, hey, someone else likes this movie too. So if you like what we do, let us know. Follow us on Twitter at WorthTheWatchPC 
Again, at WorthTheWatchPC or email us at WorthTheWatchPodcast at gmail.com. Make suggestions of movies you love and want to hear. Tell us what areas you want us to cover. Please keep things clean. We have families who don't want them to be worried about us. Please remember, this is all in good fun, and if something on here offends you, tough shit. Get over it and find something else to be upset about.